Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your host Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. We are currently studying the book of Acts. Thank you for joining us uh, and listening into our podcast. We hope that uh, this discussion blesses you today and can continue to equip you to go out and make disciples. How's it going, Dakota? Good. Hey, we are getting ready to actually uh, live out the Great Commission to an extent, uh, the extension of the book of Acts. I don't know about you, I try to do it every day, you know? Oh, wow, one-upper. That's great. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Well, the first shall be last. The last will be first. Punk. Um, uh, no, we're getting ready to go to Mexico. Yep. And uh, it's really exciting. There's eight of us from the church going, two from outside the church joining us. Um, translators and things of that nature, but we're going to Puerto Penasco, Mexico. We're going to be putting on uh, hermeneutics slash homiletics workshop, which is how to interpret the Bible, how to preach the Bible. And it turns out we're going to have about 60 pastors and ministry leaders who are there at the workshop. And we're really excited because we've placed a lot of effort, a lot of investment into people just from our very own church here at OBC. And now we're going to go down, we're bringing our own lay leaders to train pastors down in Mexico. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to go back to Phoenix for a little bit, see some loved ones, get in the warm weather, maybe do a hike on our downtime, but then to drive down to Mexico and and really do the Lord's work. I'm excited. Yeah, it's always fun to, I mean, we're we're going, the purpose is going to Mexico, but it's always fun to touch base with people in the Phoenix area and uh, see some mentors of ours and, and go to church and watch, watch them preach. Cause you know, when you're pastors, you don't get to go watch people preach very often. Right. <laughs> so just to sit in, uh, the audience and listen for a Sunday, I always look forward to that. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't have to do anything today. <laughs> I could just listen. Just to attend. So yeah, just to, so we're going to equip and teach, but we're also going to grow and learn as well. It's our first time doing something like this on this level, like a conference scale. Uh, so I think that's going to be fun. It's just good experience. And yeah. we're doing it with a language barrier. We are. So that'll that'll add a unique twist to it. We're going to have translators, which will help. One thing that I never saw coming, I, I thought we were going to do a small workshop for 10 or 15 pastors, which I would have been okay with. But the fact that the number's raised to 60 as of last week, and now we've capped the number. I don't think anybody else can sign up. Um of course, the Lord can intervene and we could have a couple more, but really, I'm just excited that the Lord is opening this door. This is something that's been on my heart for years. I've just been too young to think I could accomplish it and do it, but this idea is now kind of flourishing, and uh, I've always dreamed of traveling and training pastors, you know, on a periodic basis. So I'm I'm really excited with what we're about to do. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So now we're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter three, and the apostles are they're going out to live out the Great Commission. They are <laughs> is what they're doing. And so we just talked about uh, the healing of the lame beggar who yes. was outside of the temple. Peter, uh, Peter, and John, and John were there uh, and healed them in the name of Jesus. And so uh, now we're just going to we're going to pray, and then we're going to read the passage. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and pray. Yep. Father, I thank you for this marvelous day. That you have given us, I I just uh, thinking of your power, uh, your love, your grace, your assurance, and all the things that you give us that uh, we do not deserve. But Lord, you love us, and let us read your word today, 
uh, for it to make an impression on our hearts. So it's something that we go out and do. Uh, that is it's something that we hold back, but we make sure that we go and we preach the gospel, teach people, equip people to do the ministry, which is to reach more people for you, Lord. Uh, just bless this time, bless our conversation, and thank you for all those who are listening uh, to be equipped as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to Mexico to do is to train pastors and ministry leaders how to interpret the word and how to preach the word. Well, what we're now dealing with in this very passage today, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, is Peter's second sermon. Uh, Back in chapter 2, he had his first sermon after Pentecost. Now he has his second sermon. You're seeing this boldness, right, in Peter? Yeah. He denied Christ three times. He was kind of dumb pre-Pentecost. Now he's an apostle, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he moves away from his cowardly nature in the flesh to now he's preaching bold sermons. So I think one thing to analyze as we read this today is what type of preacher is Peter and what does he incorporate into his preaching? Maybe this is just a very fitting passage for what we're about to go and do, but I want to suggest that we read the passage all together just to start. And then we kind of work through verses 11 through 16, and then we could work through verses 17 to 26 on the second half. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Verse 11, while he was clinging, that's the man who was healed, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, Why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Verse 17, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets— that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise all the prophets who had spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. 
So this is at least the the portions of the sermon that are recorded, the main portions of the sermon that Peter preaches to all the people, mainly to Israel. Kyle, if you were to identify what type of preacher Peter is and what he incorporates into his preaching, what just hits you right off the bat? And then maybe this this answer and this discussion will develop as we go. Yeah, I mean, he's responding, he's responding to the event that just took place. Um, there's this man who's been healed, and his response is to the men of Israel. We know that because he says it, right? Men of Israel. Um, and he starts by just pointing out um, what they missed, <laughs> right? You missed the Messiah. You missed the Messiah. Uh, and I, that comes, that is, jumps right off the page right away. You missed the Messiah. You even put him on the cross. Yeah, you more um, proactively, you disowned him. Right. You were actually part of the process mm-hmm. and part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so there's this conviction that he starts with, recognizing, for one, who healed this man? It was Jesus. Yeah. And the same man who healed this is also your Messiah, in which you called a mur- which you replaced a, him with on a the murderer. cross with a murderer. Right. And so. He, it's a real convicting place. Like, if you can see what just happened here, you need to recognize who did it. And it's not Peter. It's not John. It's Jesus. You're and, saying that he's he's pointing out sin yeah. in his sermon. Right. I mean, he's that's the heart of the problem right away. Um, and so that's, that's a big place where he starts. Uh, I think with most sermons, most places, I mean, we have to recognize who Jesus is. We have to recognize we're sinners. I think of all the letters Paul writes, he starts off that way, right? Who's Jesus? Right. <laughs> Who are we serving? Why are we serving him? Peter starts the sermon off the same way, in, in, a, in a sense of showing these men, you're sinners, you miss the Messiah, here's who really healed this man, and this is who we need to be looking towards. Well, we just had a meeting this morning in preparation for this Mexico ministry uh, workshop that we're conducting, and we worked through the text this morning of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 primarily, and I think Paul actually supports what we're talking about here. Look what he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Really, that means when it's convenient and it's not convenient. And here it is. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They'll turn away from the truth to miss but you be sober in all things, so on and so forth. I think Paul's main point is, Timothy, there's going to come a day where preachers don't preach about sin, and they don't preach about the coming judgment, and they don't preach about hell. They don't preach about how you should be convicted by the Holy Spirit. But that's the first thing that Peter does here. Peter can't preach on Christ until others see their need for Christ, and that's what he's done with the audience of people of Israel. Yeah, I like actually how he starts out, because he starts out with a question, right? He, he's addressing the oh, he question, does. the things that they are thinking. Yeah. Well, Jesus does this all the time, right? <laughs> and Peter's been walking with Jesus. Jesus is always question, starts with a question and even answers questions it's with the questions. the introduction to his sermon. Yeah. Uh, so Peter does a good job of drawing them in, because he says here, 
why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power what verse were you or again? piety we have made him walk? Verse 12. Oh, yeah. And so he's, he's pointing out the fact, why are you looking at us as if we have this power? Which is addressing the fact that they don't have this power, or it doesn't come from them. They're, the source isn't from them, but it's from God. Mm-hmm. So he starts off with this question. He draws them in because he knows what they're thinking. He knows that's what they're wondering. So that's what he starts with. And then he goes immediately into the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied. So he goes right into, you're questioning who did this, and I'm going to tell you exactly who it is. Well, in a very Pauline way, I know that this is Peter, but in a very Pauline way, what he's doing is he's saying, I am not one of those teachers that will tickle your ears. Um, that's not who we are. We Not because of our piety, not because of our power, not because of our impressiveness. No, Jesus did this. A good preacher points people directly to their need for Jesus. Yeah. And then he points out at the end, really, what Peter and and a lot of the other people have done. He says in verse 15, after he says, You killed the author of life, or the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Yeah. He's saying, we have witnessed this. And some of you have probably witnessed this as well, mm-hmm. because Jesus was here. He was walking amongst us after his death, because he has been raised from the dead. You have witnessed this, and so have we. So, Oh, they, the audience certainly knows who Jesus is. Right. And there's been plenty of talk, I'm sure, around town about Jesus's resurrection, because he, he appeared to people. He talked to people. He spent time with people after the fact. So um, P- Peter's saying, we know this. We are witnesses. We walked with him. We saw him on the cross, and we saw him resurrected. We know this to be true. So Peter, he doesn't just only get in there a, a good introduction. You know, he doesn't just meet his audience where they're at. He gets that right. He doesn't merely point out their need for Jesus. He, he gets that just right. He doesn't merely preach on, you know, their part in the death of Jesus. And then he doesn't merely preach on the resurrection. He does all of those things to perfection. But look what he does in verse 16. In addition to all of those things, he gets you towards the reception of the gospel. He points out your need. He points out the provision. Now he points out your reception. You look at verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name, It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter touches on the exact thing that they need in order to receive Jesus. That's faith. I mean, what a beautiful message that we have as Christians is we believe in salvation by faith unashamedly. Yeah. And what what is Peter really talking about? Jesus does this healing people all the time. Peter's referencing his perfect health, but he's referencing his soul. Mm-hmm. Was this man healed physically? Yes. Oh, yeah. But what was more important? Yeah. His faith, mm-hmm. which healed him for eternity. Great point. Right? Yep. And so, again, Jesus uses the same thing in his ministry, healing people, but showing them this person's actually healed in a more uh, magnificent way. You think this physically, physical healing is a miracle. Wait till what happens on the cross. Because Peter points out, it is by his name, Jesus, and putting your faith in him 
that saves you. He's giving them the path to salvation, everybody around, not just a path to physical healing, which this man was healed by Jesus, but the actual path to salvation. That's what Peter's preaching. Well, last Sunday, oh man, what a service. Oh man, we did. We had a great service. Yeah, this past Sunday, if you're listening, uh, we had somewhat of a miniature revival here. I had the the blessing and the opportunity to preach on Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 15, which deals with the ultimate defeat of Satan and then the great white throne judgment and, and the aspects of hell. And at the end of the service, we had five people come forward, and it was just a real emotional time. If you want to hear that message, you can go to ottawabiblechurch.com, find Revelation 20, verses 7 through 15. But one one thing that I love about what took place here on Sunday is people's hearts were restored. They were saved from what the Bible calls as the second death. And as you were just talking here about uh, this man being healed to perfection, it it's Literally, the idea is he just he received much more than physical healing, but he has also received preserva- preservation. Excuse me, away from the second death, which is the most harmful one. Everyone's physically going to die, but not everyone uh, will go through a second death. Believers won't go through a second death of the soul. Yeah, I mean, I love how it says here, "perfect health." Right. <laughs> like, obviously, this man's still human. He's still going to suffer in this in the life uh, physically. But this perfect health, salvation is perfect. It cannot be taken away. It has been given by Jesus. If you receive it in his name, by faith, it is perfect. It will stand the test, the test of standing before God. Because when you put your faith in Jesus and you stand before the throne, he sees Jesus and he sees his son. And so it is perfect, which makes you perfect. Not that you're perfect in this life, but Jesus lived the life perfect for you. And so that's able to happen. Yeah, Colossians says that our lives have now been hidden in him, and when Christ is revealed, we will be found to be with him, right? You know, I just kind of sense this is enough to chew on today. Uh, I think we could probably break Peter's sermon into two sections. Um, So it's probably appropriate for us to maybe pause here, you know, just for our audience. Peter does a really good job of getting his audience to the gospel. I think any good sermon possesses the gospel within it. That doesn't mean every text is trying to directly get you um, directly get you to the gospel, but you need to be able to ask the question, how does this um, somehow relate to the gospel so that I can give a, a gospel message for the believer and the unbeliever? Um, Paul desired to preach the gospel even to believers in the beginning of Romans. But Peter is preaching the gospel because the gospel, Romans 1.16, is something he's not ashamed of, and it has the power to save. Again, very Pauline in nature, but the gospel has the power to save and change and, and give new life. Amen? Yeah, amen. And I, I think it's awesome to watch Peter here because of what we know about Peter in the past, him walking with Jesus, just different times, uh, mistakes that he's made. Uh, all kinds of different things. You 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 got to see his his zeal, which resulted in sin, <laughs> because he was too zealous. Um, then you got to witness him doubting, and then denying Christ in a, the most crucial time. I mean, you it was just you got to see these different places in Peter's life where he failed. He fell short. He's a sinner, and he didn't do what Jesus told him to do. But here. After Jesus had left, Jesus had told him, Peter, this is what you're going to do when I'm gone. And feed my sheep. And so 
you see Peter's maturity. You see him grow. He's, he's received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, this is a whole different Peter. Uh, it is a born-again Peter with the Holy Spirit in him preaching God's Word. So you just see the work of God in Peter's life. Because I think of that sometimes where I look at things I've done in the past, mistakes I've made, not listening to Jesus. And then if I dwell on that too much, I start to think that's who I am and I'm not worthy and I'm not valued. But if I focus on who Jesus is and what he has done for me and what he has empowered me to do because of the work on the cross, then I realize I am worthy. I am valued. I can live out the Great Commission because God has empowered me to do it. I can get up on a Sunday morning and preach from the pulpit because it's Jesus doing the work and not me doing the work. And that's the most important thing I see here with Peter is the work in Peter's life, which we can relate to and say, that was me. And now Jesus has empowered Peter to go spread the gospel. Yeah, and maybe one additional thought uh, before we close here, just on the same line, something I just caught in the text. Notice that Peter was guilty of rejecting and disowning Jesus. Yeah. Notice in the text it says uh, twice. It says once in verse 13 that these men of Israel delivered and disowned Jesus to Pilate. And then verse 14, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer. Peter mentions twice that they disowned and rejected Jesus. But he himself did that. Peter is not involving him in this himself in the discussion any longer because he stands as a man who's been forgiven and restored. Yes, that was my life. Yes, I was guilty, but I'm under the blood of Christ and I'm going to preach with that confidence. I'm now preaching to people who still remain as guilty, but God wants them to become innocent and forgiven and be redeemed and be given his grace. That's who I'm trying to reach now. So Peter does not assume the identity of his past, even in his preaching. He assumes the identity of who he is in Christ in the moment, and he preaches and ministers from that perspective. How, how amazing. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that he had the same perspective as the rest of the Jewish people. Yeah, I disowned him. I rejected him too. Or I thought I was getting ready for a fight like a physical fight, like we we're going to battle, we we're going to war, we we're going to take back Israel. I still think Peter had that view of a Messiah conquering, even in those last times, right before Jesus took the cross. And so when his view gets totally shifted, Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected. Peter then goes, I was fighting the wrong fight. That's right. I'm supposed to be telling people about who Jesus is, not telling people Jesus is going to take back Israel. Well, someday Jesus will return again, and that will be the case, and there will be a new Jerusalem, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But in this moment, Peter finally realizes, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I've been equipped, and I've now been given the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to obey. If you think about it like this from Jesus's rulership, and this text actually mentions it, and we'll see it next week, talks about times of refreshing and times of restoration. I believe that's actually an indication of the millennial reign of Christ, which we just preached here at church as well, Revelation 20, 1 through 6. The millennial reign of Christ is where Christ will rule with his saints on earth. Well, have you ever thought of it like this? Before Jesus will rule on earth with his saints, he first needs to convert the saints. Like without citizens of heaven to join him, all it will be, everyone in the millennium would just be those who bow down to Jesus with an outward conformity, but Jesus wants the saints with an inward conformity to join with him. Amen? 
Amen. Thank you so much for listening into the Be Disciples podcast. We are here to talk about God's Word, equip you to go out and read the Word with people. I encourage you, go and make disciples. What that means is ask somebody to coffee, bring your Bible, have a conversation, be intentional about opening it up and sharing God's Word with them. That's how it starts. That's all you need to do. You don't need to be a seminary professor, a pastor, or any of those things. Read your Word and read it with other people. Go out and be blessed.